Hey there, I have a great interview for you today with author Jody J. Sperling. I really enjoyed my conversation with Jody because he is able to, you know, give some, first of all, really practical tips. One thing we're going to talk about is how to get engagement on Twitter and as an author, really use Twitter um, to our advantage. And guys, I got to tell you, I have never been able to figure out Twitter. (laughs) Okay, I'm on there and I do broadcast, but I, you know, overall, I'm just, I've never come across any kind of technique that is really, really helpful to authors, and he has one. But he also gives a lot of advice that feels counterintuitive. And in my experience, that is the best kind of advice because when someone goes against the grain of what most other people are trying to do, it's usually because they've done something and it's worked. And so they're, you know, have the courage to put it out there and say, okay, I know this is what the industry said, but do the opposite. And usually, maybe not always, but usually they're right. Okay. (laughs) So I always listen to people who have counterintuitive advice or that goes against the grain of what the, you know, bigger industry is telling you to do because that's the most interesting. And more often than not, that is the thing that's going to make the difference if you follow their advice. Okay. So, um, Jody is a first time author. He's got a book that is not quite published yet, but he has been around the block a few times. He knows what he's talking about. And he's really big on author marketing. And so that is why I think a lot of you will be able to learn a lot from him and should listen closely to the conversation. He hosts a podcast called The Reluctant Book Marketer, which that is like my favorite podcast name ever. And um, he talks about this kind of thing. Okay. So I really think you're going to get a lot of value out of this conversation. And uh, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill. USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. All right, we are here with author Jody Sperling today. How are you doing today, Jody? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Why don't you start by telling everyone who you are and uh, what you write? Okay, so uh, I am host of a podcast called The Reluctant Book Marketer, um, and that comes from the fact that it took me way too long to realize that books don't sell themselves and <laughs> readers don't just find them out on, you know, growing from trees. Uh, it's right. never been something that I love, but it's something that I reluctantly am passionate about doing and doing correctly. Uh, I have a novel called The Nine Lives of Marvin Longhai that is represented by Annie Baumke, and we have been out on submission for uh, the most grueling three years of my life. <laughs> All right. Well, what um, what genre is that? It is a speculative noir. Um, so it's okay. kind of a, a, a mystery novel. And the funny thing is, is that I'm not like an outliner and I'm not somebody who really plots at all. I just sort of discover it as it comes to me. And mystery is probably the worst genre to do that with. It took me forever to figure uh-huh. out all of the details, but uh, you can't be what you can't be. And I can't be an outliner. Right, right. 
Okay. So, I mean, I, I love, first of all, the name of your podcast, the reluctant book. Um, sorry. What is it? Book marketer, right? Marketer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I was, I was thinking outliner and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said outline. It got stuck in your brain. Yeah. That's what it did. Um, yeah. And I've, I've looked through and listened to a few of your episodes and the, it's so great because so many, I think most authors are reluctant marketers. You know, I remember when yeah. I started out thinking I couldn't wait until I could pay someone to do my marketing for me. And right. even to this day, I have never paid anyone to do my marketing for me. I mean, it just doesn't really work that way, at least yep. not for most of the journey. You know, once you get to be James Patterson, then maybe, but um, right. So tell us a little bit about how you got into that and about, you know, like your journey toward the marketing side of it. Yeah. So I, knew for a long time that I wanted to write novels. Um, I've had a love of language uh, from a very early age. Um, I really did have this idea that if I wrote the best possible book, that it would just magically appeal to people and it would sell itself. Um, mm -hmm. And I operated under that impression for quite a long time. I went and got my MFA from Eastern Washington University so that I could just be a better writer. And while I knew that they weren't teaching me a whole ton about how to actually get published, uh, I felt pretty grateful at the time that there was exposure to great writers that I might not have read otherwise and sitting in a room with people who were passionate about writing great books. Uh, right. And I think all of that is super important. Uh, and it did help me to write a great book that got represented by a literary agent, but then nobody wants to buy that book because I didn't have a brand or a platform or any way for the book to sell. And frankly, nobody's interested in a nobody uh, that has a, a great book because uh, they need your help marketing to the publishers need your help. If you go the traditional route, um, I could push the self-published button right now, but just for whatever reason, my vision is to, to go the traditional route to start things off. Right. Yeah. So what kinds of things do you do then to uh, market your book? So I have found that probably the best way to market and, and granted, I'm not I don't have a publishing contract right now. So what I'm doing will be a little bit different than somebody who has a book that is in the pre-release stage, say, um, but right. building your awareness toward who you are uh, and where you fit in the literary community. And so social media is something that is really important for me, specifically Twitter. I spend a ton of time there. Writers are all over the place on Twitter and it's a really civil community as long as you don't pay attention to all of the loudness. Um, I know that Twitter can be fairly explosive place if you teach the algorithm to feed you that stuff, but um, I've, right. I've stayed away from it and I really enjoy the literary community there and um, interacting, letting people know who I am. And uh, basically I'm moving people from Twitter into my podcast. So that's kind of my marketing strategy. I think it works really well for anybody who's in a similar situation to me where you don't necessarily have a book right away. You want to get people into your world so that they're hearing your voice in their ears, so that they're familiar with your philosophy on things and, and who you are and just building that trust. Right, right. And so what kinds of things, I mean, and this is for me personally, because I've never been very great on Twitter. I know that there's a big um, writing community there, but a lot of people just don't know what to post. Like they know that you shouldn't just broadcast buy my book, buy my book. Like we all know that's a little bit sleazy. So what kinds yeah. of things do you post in order to start to build a community and interact with people there? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And this was partly, um, 
luck, which I think some things are, but what I discovered really quickly was that questions on Twitter are like uh, the ultimate drug. People love to answer questions. People Hmm. love to share their philosophy on the world. And the best way to get engagement is to ask them what their philosophy is. It also helps us as writers to quickly define our niche. And that's something that's really important. I know you know how important that is in selling a book and letting people know who you are, but a question has the fastest path to helping you define your niche because certain people answer certain questions and are drawn to those questions and it gives you an amazing amount of data. So what I do every day on Twitter is I use a tool called Buffer. Uh, It's free for 10 posts a day. You probably have talked with your people about that before, but it's a great tool so that you can schedule your tweets throughout the day. And you don't have to think about like coming up with interesting content as you're going about your other business. Yeah, I do it in first thing in the morning, six o'clock, right after I finish writing. And those tweets will go out with questions throughout the day. And then I just try to be available to answer as people respond so that it's not just a question and they answer and you drop it, but you actually respond to their response. And that builds this great trust. I have people on Twitter that I really do consider friends that um, are just amazing people, great writers, and the community is amazing. That's really, really interesting. I've never done that before. So when you answer them, this is kind of logistical. Do you mm-hmm. just answer with like the actual, um, you know, comment answer or do you like retweet an answer or how do you, how do you do that? I, I retweet maybe once a month. If okay. I happen across somebody's post that I think is just absolutely brilliant and I wish I would have said it myself, I retweet them. Otherwise, I never retweet. I don't hashtag. Um, I mm. only at people in terms of when I'm replying to them. So I won't, I won't make a post and at a writer really ever. Um, and okay. the algorithm just kind of understands where to put things based on words. So I, I think that there's this... Um, incorrect notion that hashtags teach the post to know where to go and who's the reader. That's just not really the case. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So can you give us an example of like a question that you might ask? Yeah. So I've done some different ones. The the one that I've been interacting with a lot today, and it's kind of a silly one, but it, again, it just drives like a certain kind of engagement and teaches you about people is um, it's a picture of uh, William Shakespeare. And it says, who is this wrong answers only. So it's a really, you've probably seen some version of that before people get so excited to try to be clever and to respond back. (laughs) And uh, it just drives like a lot of fun. Um, The other one that I've been interacting on a lot today is, um, do you think that there's a place in the writing community for competitiveness? Um, And I think you get a lot of writers. Now, granted, I'm using my Twitter for the reluctant book marketer. I think if you were an author, you would ask specific questions, maybe geared around your genre. But this one is good because it helps me kind of know what writers are interested in learning more about. And honestly, probably 95% of the podcasts that I record are based on feedback I get from questions on Twitter. Hmm, interesting, interesting. So if, um, I liked what you just said about, about asking genre questions. So if an author were to do this to try and maybe find readers or, or even I think they could do this to find other writers in their genre that they could then cross promote yep. with. So, yes. you know, they would probably ask questions about different tropes within a genre, maybe who your favorite author is. I mean, I yes. mean, do you have any other suggestions? 
yeah, I think that those are great things. And I'll stick to, to mystery because that's kind of where my head is right now. Um, I'm right. writing a follow-up to the book that's that's being shopped. And, and so I think a lot about it, but you might ask a question like, um, we talked about outlining. Um, and so, so you might say like, can you tell when you're reading a book that's been outlined and you'll get readers who will have opinions. And obviously that's, you can't tell, you just can't tell, but it, it'll get some readers really excited about thinking that they can suss out what's happening with the author or um, what makes you pick up a mystery novel. And maybe they'll talk a little bit about cover design that you can learn some things that maybe applies more to a self pub because you don't have a lot of uh, choice in the matter, picking your cover if you're traditionally published, but right. all that kind of stuff will engage your readers and get them to know you. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, those are great tips. And I'm actually going to try that because I've never done that on Twitter. I, um, I pretty much, I do broadcast on Twitter, but I, mm -hmm. you know, I've always used hashtags and I didn't realize that those do not work on Twitter. As, as, so do you find though that hashtags do are still really relevant on Instagram? Cause I know you're on Instagram too. Yeah, they're more so on Instagram. I'm being okay. kind of stubborn to to try to figure out how much they matter anywhere. So I do. I have a TikTok as well, which honestly, I still haven't fallen in love with TikTok like I have with with Twitter. I like Instagram. I haven't figured it out quite as much, but there's the value of the visual so much on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been told that that hashtags do still matter there. I was also told that they mattered on Twitter until I found out they didn't. So um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what kinds of things do you post on Instagram then to get engagement there? I do a little bit of a both and approach with Instagram. Um, so a lot of it feeds through one of my other social media accounts. So I'll make a TikTok video and I will oftentimes either do it to my story or a reel, depending on what kind of video I made over on TikTok. I, I try to do more like short form podcast type videos uh, and those will go as reels. And then maybe I'll do like a question, but instead of typing it on Twitter, I'll ask it to the camera. And that'll usually be a story um, because okay. it, I, this is an interesting thing that I think is probably not exploited as much as it could or should be. But when you put a story on Instagram, if someone responds to it, it goes directly to your messages. So it then becomes a private conversation you can have and build trust that way. Um, and it's a, I think a really low barrier to entry to get in somebody's messages because there's a lot of power to be messaging with people um, when you're respectful and on topic and add value. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So do you have any other, um, you know, hacks for how to grow an Instagram following? And, and my other question too is, yeah. do you do personal posts or do you only keep it to like about writing and about, you know, the kind of the business side of things? That is a great question. And I am a huge advocate for be on business all the time. Okay. Um, the biggest part of who we are actually tends to be what we're doing on our nine to five. My nine to five is writing and podcasting. Um, so a lot of it is personal anyway. Very occasionally I will put something like my wife and I just celebrated our 11th anniversary and went to a baseball game. I put a post of that and, you know, just said, you know, she's great. These have been 11 awesome years, but those are the very rare uh, posts because I want, I do want the algorithm. I do want the platform to be very, very keyed in and dialed in to who I'm going after. So I do think about it like business. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I mean, I, 
I haven't done Instagram in a big way, especially on the author side of things. Mm-hmm. I had an account for a while that was very all over the place. It was not, you know, yeah. very uh, streamlined. And then it ended up getting um, hacked and kind of canceled by Instagram. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it didn't really matter. I mean, I had probably four or 500 followers, but they were not engaged okay. at all because they were from yeah. years before. And anyway, but I see a lot of authors who do, they, they don't actually post about their books very much. They post about mm-hmm. their personal lives and, you know, yes. they'll do signings and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of, I, I, I'm kind of in line with your thinking that that's not going to pull in the right kind of people mm-hmm. who are going to buy your books. You know, there are more people yep. who are interested in your lifestyle. Like, so you would yes. agree with that? Totally. And I think that there's a really great way to add in the personal is if you have a newsletter and you should have a newsletter, um, yes. be personal in your newsletter a little bit, still be on, on, on point about your business. But I, I like having like a little section of my newsletter. That's what's happening in my own life and sharing that. Um, and I find that people really respond to that. But once they're in your newsletter, they've already committed to to being a book buyer for you. So you've you've right. gotten past that threshold, and now you're giving them some extra value added. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, and then circling back to the other questions, what what else do you do on um, Instagram to build your your following there? So occasionally, I will uh, take a just a snapshot, a screenshot from my phone of a tweet if I like one. Oftentimes, that'll be a quote. I do author quotes. Um, I find that those perform really well on Instagram and maybe less so on Twitter. Um, people, I think they really like seeing a picture of the, the tweet as a quote. Um, and then I do create through Canva some uh, unique to Instagram quotes from authors. Um, Those take a lot of time. And so I try to be as conscious as I can about how much time I spend creating content, because it's the least performing way to get a following, to get people engaged with you. You actually need to go to them, especially in the early stages, uh, to pull them in. And so you comment on their posts and that's a lot less time consuming usually. So I do spend the vast majority of my time on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram, following uh, authors that I like, and then going to people that they follow. So I'm just going a little rabbit hole and finding people to comment on. And I will typically follow them if their ratio is really obviously against the likelihood of them following back. I tend not to. That's me. I don't know if that's really a good philosophy to take on for other writers or not, but um, I do want to follow back. I think it's important to to have the ratio at least 50-50. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what about posting your books? What kind of what kind of book posts do you do? So right now, because I'm only in the the submission stage, I don't post a ton about my book um, because okay. I don't I don't want people to become uh, immune to it. I, I want when they see it for it to start to stick in their mind. So I do still very consciously build into the mystery and the noir community. I'm cycling through that on all of my different social medias so that people who are interested in that are following me and are engaged with me. Um, And I would say that by the time you know you have a publishing contract and you have a date where your book is going to come out, I am a a huge advocate of immediately pre-selling your book, pre-marketing any way you can. And I go so far as to say, start any kind of uh, GoFundMe account or something like that where people can actually buy the book even if there's not a link with your publisher and then you can buy that book through the the early pre-release do whatever you can to start selling copies because day one week one makes all the difference if you can even sell a hundred copies in your first week you will be categorically in a different spot than somebody who limps in with 20 or 30 um right so and yeah and i think um 
I, I really liked what you said about, you know, getting into the community of what your book is going to be about, because right. I think that in a lot of ways is pre-selling your book, even if you mm-hmm. don't have a link to pre-sell yet, because people yeah. will know that you know something about that. And then when your book comes out, they're more likely, I think it just gives you authority um, yeah. in their eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And having those conversations about your genre, like you said, that that word authority carries a lot of weight. When people trust that you know your genre and you read it broadly, uh, they trust that the book that you put out is going to satisfy what they expect. And that's, I think, really important. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I would, and I actually, I've thought a lot about this and I have not actually experimented with it myself, but I think it would be fun to be reading and asking questions about bestsellers in your genre. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, even if you're being a little bit critical, not in a bad way, but just saying, oh, I don't love the way they handled this trope. Yeah. I handled it differently in my book. I mean, it would just be like a selling point for people who had yeah. read that book and would like to see how you, you know, things like that, I think is yes. what authors need to be kind of thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the day that I find out my book does have a home, I will be doing a ton of exactly that, which is is asking questions based on specific books that I think are close comp titles to to what I wrote, because somebody if they like. Uh, the book in your genre, they're going to like your book and you're only doing yourself favors by getting yourself in front of all those readers. Right, right. That's that's such great advice. So I wanted to circle back to one other thing before we move on. And that is about doing your content. You, you talked about not spending too much time on it. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of authors. They don't want to spend all their time on Instagram and not have time for writing because you know writing is a very one-to-one uh, sort of activity. But so how do you, how do you manage that? Do you batch your content or um, do you have certain time you set aside? I mean, how do you handle that? I need to be a little bit better. I do, like I said, with Twitter, do that immediately after I write in the morning. So I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I write for the first hour. I try to get in a second time later in the day, as long as things aren't too busy. Um, And then right at six, I will spend as much time as it takes to ask seven good questions and do three good author quotes. So 10 tweets a day. Um, And then I try to repurpose some of that content, like I said, to Instagram. Um, So in that way, I am batching, but I need to do better about having uh, videos for TikTok in the drafts file. Um, Mm -hmm. And far too often, I am kind of leaning on when inspiration hits. I, I imagine you relate to this when you are on a microphone or in front of a camera, you have to have a certain energy. Even today, I can feel like talking with you. I'm a little lower energy than I wish I was. Um, And so I kind of, I lean too hard on not forcing myself to make that content if I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I'm in the mood, but there's something really powerful about just choosing to do something and bringing the energy and figuring out how do I start to like get a little bit looser and feel better. Right. I think it's a huge advantage if you can force yourself to make content, even if you don't feel like it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I actually think that's true of writing too. I think too many authors rely on the creative muse. And of course, there's some days that you're going to feel like you're forcing it out. But if I don't even think it's so much about practicing your words Mm -hmm. or practicing your content, it's practicing getting into the mindset where you can create the content no matter how you feel. Um, So yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts about that? 
Um, you know, and I, I do so much better with it with writing because it's just a, a contract that I will show up every morning at six o'clock and do this. Um, and it has massive benefits. I've noticed I've become a far better writer because I'm writing whether I feel like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. And it's odd that I, I don't know. Do you actually experience that the days where you feel maybe least inclined may be the days that you also produce the best work? Have you had that before? You know, I, I yeah, I think there could be something to that for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know that I've specifically had a day where I've noticed that, but I, I can see it being the case. Me and my uh, my critique group, we have this kind of running joke about how if you're really excited about a chapter and you can't wait to get it out to people, it's the one that they pick apart the most and have the most problems <laughs> yes. with, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then if you're just kind of like, eh, whatever, it's kind of a mess, I'm just going to throw it out there. They're like, wow, this was amazing. So I, I do think there's in. something yeah. to that, you know, when yeah, I don't absolutely. know if it's just about us being self-critical or um, mm-hmm. or what the case is, or maybe it's just when we're not trying so hard, we relax and it just flows mm-hmm. a little better. I, I'm not sure, but I've, I've noticed that in general yeah. with writing. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I just got a yes from a dream guest for my podcast. Nice. And um, yeah, it's it's great. And and but I was getting ready to send off the email with the scheduling link and everything. And I had to ask my wife like thirty times to help me get this email better written because the expectations and the excitement were so high that I couldn't write naturally. It's like this is yeah. the dumbest thing. It needs to be four sentences. Why can I not just like get it out there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has to do with putting pressure on ourselves and. Um... One thing I teach too, when it comes to free writing is just that you have to relax your brain and just sort of let mm-hmm. it flow. And that actually is a skill when you, yes. you know, try too hard to force it, then, yep. you know, things just don't go quite as well. So I, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a really interesting observation. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about yeah. your podcast because it's about the mindset of getting into marketing. So yes. um, what can you tell us about that, especially where authors are concerned, because so many of us are introverts that yeah. just cringe at the idea of marketing. Yeah. So, uh, and that is how I came to this idea is that I think the first thing is, is that you do have to define who you want to be as an author. So this surprised me in the beginning too, by the way, is that there are writers who are plenty happy publishing a book and not really caring if it makes them any money or selling a thousand or 10,000 or a million copies of their book. I, for some reason, I always believed everyone was like me. Maybe we all do that. Um, but I am speaking very specifically to the authors who have the crazy idea that they want to sell a million copies of their book. Um, right. That is such an outlandish goal to have to sell a million copies, but you shouldn't feel ashamed if that's your goal, if you want to do that and you want to make the money that comes along with it. Now I will say that selling actual copies of books is not not a great moneymaker, but selling a million copies of a book will definitely help you out. Um, And I do, I want to talk to those specific writers who that's their, their passion, and then talk about the mindset that it requires to do that. I think the way that I think about this is that there are those of us who have absolutely no issue with uh, diet and fitness. And it's just like, it's real, real easy to stay fit. And then there are those of us like myself, who, if I'm not absolutely fighting all the time. I just gain weight at a really steady base. And the reason I'm saying this is because of those people who gain weight, like I do, some people will say all the time, I really want to lose weight. I really want to lose weight. And it will never happen for them. Mm -hmm. The same is true for an author who says, I really want to sell books. I really want to sell books. They show up on Twitter 
all the time and I'll ask them questions and they'll say, you know, the hardest part is marketing. Um, and I just wish I knew how to market. And the truth is it's your mindset. It's a slog all the time. Nobody loves the, the cogs and wheels and gears of marketing. Um, some bits are a lot more fun than other bits. Like uh, you might enjoy running more than you enjoy biking or vice versa, but there's always going to be the tough stuff. And so I try with my show all the time to focus on, you have to make the choice to show up and that is in your mindset. And um, if you can win the battle of mindset, apologize. If you can win the battle of mindset, you can sell a million books. Um, it mm. might not happen on your time scale, but if you win that battle, you will do what you seek to do. Right. So um, do you have some practical tips and things that, that they can use to try and shift their mindset into that of a marketer? Yeah, I think, I think first is that, that moment of honesty. Um, and so these things, because we're talking about mindset, I wish that I could say like do A, B, C and you will get there. But what I do find is that if you can be honest with yourself about your desires, then your mindset will start to follow. So I, I say all the time um, that action informs mindset. And so one thing that people will cringe at immediately, but will make a massive difference is take your book if you're published. If not, then take a QR code. I know this sounds crazy, but take a QR code or a physical copy of your book and go to your next door neighbor and knock on their door and ask them to buy your book or sign up for your mailing list. They're not your niche reader. We know that. But what happens when you do that is that you enter somebody else's space who doesn't want to hear from you and you get used to the idea that mm -hmm. this is part of what it is to market my book is reaching out to a stranger and trying to build a relationship and sell your book. Um, if you are willing to do that, your mindset will shift. You will hate it and it's not a good way to market. So the good news is you only have to do that a couple of times, but taking that action will move your mind toward a different way of thinking about your book. And it'll let you know really quickly, do you actually want to sell a million copies of your book or is it just something that would be nice if it happened? Right. Yeah, no, I, I really like that because it's, it, so it's like practicing selling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I can tell you that I used to be really, really uncomfortable on camera and I yeah. sort of forced myself to do a couple of Facebook lives. And it was amazing after doing three or four of them, it just mm -hmm. wasn't a big deal anymore. And I yeah. was like the most terrified a person could be to go on camera, mm. you know? So it's just a matter of if you practice it a few times, it's amazing how quickly your mindset yeah. will change. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So um, I do want to ask you about one of the episodes I listened to on your podcast. It was a recent one about being, um, what was the word you used? Being impatient. Because we always yeah. say you have to be patient and wait for the ads to mature mm -hmm. and wait for your audience to grow. So why do you tell people to be impatient in their marketing? Thanks for asking. That is, it's probably my biggest passion. And it is actually a mindset thing that you can do something about. Because every time you catch yourself thinking I should be patient, kill that thought. And I know it sounds counterintuitive. I talk about it on that podcast of like religions teach us to be patient. Uh, everybody out there is like, just be patient, wait your turn. The problem is, is that it's okay to wait. It's not good to be patient. When you are patient, you are inactive. And when you're inactive, mm -hmm. things aren't getting done. And so I feel really passionate that we need to help writers cultivate this idea of don't stop knocking on doors. Don't, and, and I don't mean that, um, literally, like I said a minute ago, but I mean, 
send your short stories if you're a short story writer to journals or your essays to different publications, whatever you're writing, be sending actively, be submitting, be querying agents. Don't sit around and wait to hear back from people because the truth is your work is too urgent and too important and you need to be actively seeking to get it out in front of readers. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't feel bad if you are, are bothered by how long it takes to publish. And then you're going to get into the situation where you do have a literary agent and she's sending your book out and it's three years later and you feel agony of having to wait. Um, but it has not stopped me from writing. It hasn't stopped me from building a podcast, from marketing, from acting like this book is days away from coming out. Um, and that mm. urgency is profoundly helpful. I love that. Yeah, I really love that. So it's just about being active. And I, I feel like that should be a slogan, act every day like your book is days from coming out and always yeah, approach absolutely. it that way. That's, that's yeah. gold. That's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think this has been really valuable. You've given us some really great, um, you know, actual tips that people can use and can, um, let me ask you this, in terms of mindset, do you have a favorite book about mindset? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to have to get back to you. Let me get back to you on a favorite book about mindset. Um, I'm thinking of, and this is just because of my history, somewhere in the back of my brain, there was this book, and I'm not recommending you read it, but it's called Questioning Evangelism. I grew up Christian. I don't really identify exactly that way anymore, but that book, um, I think it really stuck in me because it's, it's taught me to ask questions. And mm. so I'll find a better book and I'll, I'll email <laughs> it to you. Uh, if, if you, if you want that, because anything that can help us to learn the power of questions is going to inherently help us to cultivate a healthier, more tenacious mindset. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. We, we definitely should question everything. So I love that response. Um, so any last minute advice for authors and their marketing? Don't be patient. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And where can they find you? Uh, the reluctantbookmarketer.com is probably the easiest way. I am on Twitter at Jody J. Sperling. All of my socials are at Jody J. Sperling. Um, but okay. if you go to my website, you will find all the social links there as well. Um, and check out the podcast if you want. Great. Yeah, everybody should check out the podcast and should follow you so that if nothing else to see what you're doing and maybe try to emulate that a little bit for our own books. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for being here and for all that you um, have shared with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure and I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.